Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion. So good to have you here today. We are in the midst of a crazy season. Can I get a witness to that? So June and Wellis and Roxanne and Kim, we are in crazy season. It's election season. It's pandemic. It's social distancing. I want to tell you the media deserve, they deserve Oscars. Oscars for scaring people half to death. I mean, we've been living in a Halloween horror movie now for months and months and months, but we're seeing great things happen in the midst of it. One of those things is that we get to gather together here. So welcome to each of you, all of you. Thank you for being a part of Morning Devotion, a great group of people that just encourage one another as we gather together. So it's good to have you, Brenda, Lillian. Thank you, Marsha Hope. Thank you for being a part of this. Share the page, follow the page, like the page. Let's loop more into this season. Thursday, October 22nd, we are discussing today, we're in a series of prophetic thoughts this week, the countdown to the end, and I'm just elevating a few thoughts that I believe not only will be enlightening, but ultimately edifying, edifying, the beginning of sorrows. That doesn't sound too edifying until you really understand what that phrase means. That has an interesting phrase. Then I want to give you some practical steps at the close of this of how to get through this season. I've been moved, as many of you probably have. I've been moved of late because of the panic that we sense settling in on people, people we know, love. This pandemic political season, great unrest. We, we do social distance. We understand there's a sickness out there, but we also understand something afoot. Something unusual is that at work in our world to keep us from closing arms and closing ranks and locking arms. There's immense division and unrest, and uh, we're going to obey our civic duties. We're going to exercise our right to vote, but we know that no government in the world has the solution for what we're facing right now. We need the Prince of Peace. Can I get a witness to that? The fear factor in our present-day world is so palpable. I read one report yesterday that 98% of Americans admit to struggling, those that were interviewed with one form of anxiety or another. It just makes my heart hurt for people. I know it's understandable. But I also know that there is a Prince of Peace and there is a comforter who can meet with us. I saw something yesterday of note and hadn't seen this of late. It's been it's been nearly since. Let me say I would say Y2K that I saw things like this. I saw the emergency list of what people need to prepare for the coming months ahead, the food rations, water rations, ammunition, and tarps, and ropes, and batteries. And I thought, so it's come to this again, people's natural reaction to unnatural difficulties. I, I'm going to close this today with six things every one of you should do 
It's going to be work and wait and watch and pray and hold and loose. And I'm going to share those with you at the close of today's devotion. But right now, I want to consider a Bible phrase, beginning of sorrows. And though that may sound bleak, and indeed it has some bleak aspects, it's a beautiful thing when you realize what it actually means. In this countdown to the end, I've been hearing so many commentaries about the times in which we live. They're trying to put their finger on which seal, which judgment, which horse it is in the tribulation. I, I do think it's good that people are thinking prophetically and looking at our present times in the context of where we may be biblically. Why? Because it shows me that people are taking these times seriously. They're engaged. They seek to understand. But what I find is too many people are just prepared to hide, run to the caves, hunker down, alarmist takeover. The shrill voice within us, the shrill voices around us, threaten to hold sway. We need a a more sure word, a surer word of prophecy. We need trumpets to make that certain sound. And Jesus is providing a certain sound to us today. It was in the Sermon on the Mount response to the Apostles' question, not the Sermon on the Mount, the Olivet Discourse. And in the response to the Apostles' questions, when when should we expect the end? Jesus identifies four primary things that are going to begin to take place. And then he says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, there are two phrases. All these, that's the four things that he had just mentioned, are the beginning of sorrow. I'm going to mention what those four things are, but I want to focus on that phrase, the beginning of sorrows, translated elsewhere, the beginning of troubles, beginning of travail. But many modern translations are saying the beginning of the birth pains. The Weymouth translation says all these miseries are like the early pains of childbirth. The prophets spoke of this as well, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, used the imagery of birth pains that there would be a time to come known as the day of the Lord, and it would be introduced with birth pains. The Apostle Paul used that same terminology in 1 Thessalonians 4. He talked about the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 5, he said, when you start hearing people say peace and safety, sudden destruction is coming as travail will come upon a woman with child. The beginning of sorrows then is sort of an early warning system. Just as a woman will begin to have uh, contractions and birth pangs and tells her that there is a child about to be born, so it is that Jesus said, there's going to be four warnings that I'm going to give you. These are the beginning of sorrows. These are the birth pangs that indicate a brand new world is about to be born. Oh, my. Oh, my, the warning signals, the warning of an approaching struggle, the warning of approaching struggle known as tribulation, the greater pain that actually comes to give birth to a new world, that greater pain, that tribulation is known as Daniel's 70th week. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. It's a seven-year unraveling of the old world to make way for the new begins with Antichrist taking over some sort of peace treaty signed with Israel. 
That seems to be a trigger for seven years of tribulation, seal judgments, trumpet judgments, bowl judgments, Armageddon. I believe we should be prepared, though, today for the Lord to catch his bride away. I believe the church has been spared this horrible time. But what we're seeing now, we're not in the middle of the tribulation. This is just the beginning of sorrows. I'm not trying to minimize what we're experiencing, but this is the beginning of sorrows. It means that we are on the edge of the most painful period period this world has ever witnessed. These are, all these, Jesus said, are the beginning of sorrow. What did Jesus mean by all these? Well, he identified, he had identified four things that act as the early warning signal that a new world is preparing to be born. Don't you want to know what those four things are? And I, I, as we go through these four things that are mentioned by Jesus that are the beginning of sorrows, that are the birth pains, as you look at these, I want you just to look at them in your own heart and mind and say, am I seeing this? So April, Donna, Teresa, Steve, am I seeing these things taking place around me? Four things. Jesus said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. The four things. Number one's deception. Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. That we are living in an age of deception. And when you see deception abounding, understand that you are on the edge of a new world. Deception. The enemy's a deceiver. It's his oldest trait seen in the context of mankind. He deceived Adam and Eve. He deceives by appealing to what we want to hear, that inner longing. Jesus said of Satan, he has nothing in me. There's no, there's nothing within me that responds to his temptations. But when Satan tempted in Adam and Eve with you shall be as God, it appealed to something in their own hearts and minds, some egos, some desire, some want, some craving, some lust, some wish. Jesus said in the context of deception, he said, you need to be aware that there's going to come false Christ, false prophets, false teachers. The word Christ, we associate with Jesus Christ. We think of it as a name. But the word Christ comes from the word chrism, which means anointing, the anointing oil, chrism. So Christ is one who is anointed. When applied to Jesus, he is Jesus, the anointed one. But when applied to false Christ, It's people that come along and say, I've got this anointing and I've got that anointing and I can tell you this and I can tell you that. There are always people out there that have a word for you. They will always tell you what you want to hear because this is the age of the itching ears and people give ear to what they want to hear. False teachers, false prophets. It's one of the mysteries to me and it's a mystery indeed. It's one that I'm very curious about. There's so many people who insist that they are true prophets. But God promises that he would not hide things from his true prophets. But precious few people warned us that 2020 would be a year with so much fear, pain, and sorrow. Heard a lot of happy promises about this year. Be careful. Be careful, child of God that your faith is not built on some private word, some special anointing, but your faith, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Rather than seeking a word, a special word from somebody, why don't you let the word of Christ dwell in you 
richly. Get the word of God in you that you can withstand this evil day. All these are the beginning of sorrows. First comes deception. Second comes distrust. Yeah. Wars, rumors of war, division, people against people, nation against nation. We think of wars in the term of, I don't know, world wars. Like World War I was the war supposedly the end of all wars, but the Second World War was a continuation of that war. This world has never really been free from war, and there's so many wars going on right now. The world stage is being set for the most massive conflict of them all. We think of it in terms of country against country. But understand the word nation is ethnos in the Greek, ethnicity against ethnicity. Could it be that what we're seeing now, the rising tensions and the racial divides, that is the distrust seen in the beginning of sorrows? that we are watching unfold before our eyes a spirit of the last days that's sweeping across our nation. Tension between races, conflict between peoples, urban against suburban, rural. Uh, There is such conflict. Interesting passage in Zechariah 1. It's night. The prophet sees a man on a red horse. The rider of the red horse is waiting in a grove of myrtle trees. And the prophet asks the angel of the Lord, who is this? The angel of the Lord says he's one of the riders sent across the world walking to and fro. The rider said, all the earth is resting quietly. To me, that's one of the most alarming phrases in scripture. We are living in a time where the people of God should cease not day and night to cry out to God. We cannot be resting quietly while the red horse of conflict is galloping across our world. Pray, church, pray. We are living in a dis- in all of these things, deception, distrust. And here's the third one, disaster. When Jesus said all these are the beginning of sorrows, he included what we call natural disasters. And so many earthquakes, famines, the spike in earthquakes is, if you look at it on a graph, it's it's exponential. The spike in volcanoes and storms and tornadoes and famines, droughts, fires. We are in the midst of a world that's beginning to groan for its redemption. A new world is longing to be born. And Jesus said, when you see all of this disruption taking place, understand you're witnessing the beginning of sorrows, the birth pains of a new world that is coming. We do disaster relief. And when we see the pain and misery of natural disasters, and and uh, it, it's heart-wrenching. Folks, it's more than just global climate change or global warming. This up tick of natural disasters may find a spiritual root in a season known as the beginning of sorrows. Deception, disruption, disaster, and then fourth and finally, disease. That's what Jesus said, pestilences, ecological disasters, the unleashing of forces. Folks, are we there? Are we there? Do you believe we're there right now? Kimmy and Martha and Glenn, do you believe we're there? Old sicknesses are returning. I'm hearing of plague-like diseases making reappearance, diseases long thought dead coming back. Then, of course, new diseases like this coronavirus that's being faced. These sicknesses are tipping the world in favor of globalism, that a one-world savior and solution could appear. 
Jesus was clear, though. He said, when you see these four things, when you witness deception and distrust and disaster and disease, these are just the beginning of sorrows. He said quite explicitly, the end is not yet. These are the birth pains that foreshadow a greater travail that is coming upon the world that eventually will conclude with a brand new earth. So what is our present posture? It's not run for the hills. Let me give you some words, work and wait. Jesus said, occupy till I come. Work and wait. Do the work of him who has called us and sent us into this world, into this present darkness, this present age. Start a prayer meeting, start a small group, Dust off your Bible study chart. Go into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Encourage somebody along the way. Pick up the wounded on the Jericho Road. Would you help the straggler? Locate the wandering. Help the confused. Get a hold of someone that's panicking and grab them by the lapels and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We work, we occupy, we wait until he comes back. We work and wait. That's the first two proactive things we need to do. Here's two more things. We watch and pray. This was the admonition of Jesus Christ again and again at the end of his earthly ministry. Watch and pray. You and I are sentinels. We are We are watchmen. We are standing guard. We are watching over our families and our cities and our churches. Stay awake. Remain vigilant. The enemy is at work in these last days as never before. Watch and pray. Pray is not a passive activity. Prayer is not something we do when we don't know what else to do. Prayer is what is giving us the flame and the power to to rebuke the devourer and deceiver in our day. Pray as never before. To those asleep in Gethsemane, Jesus said, watch and pray. You don't really know the temptation that is about to dawn upon you. I think this is to those of us who want to remain close in Jesus, to those 10 virgins at the edge of midnight. Jesus said, watch, you don't know the hour of his coming. The cry of the bridegroom is about to be heard to the servant awaiting his master from a distant country. In that parable, Jesus said, you watch because you don't know when your master is returning. What watch of the night, what hour of the night, watch and pray, folks, as never before. And then here's the third set of words. We not only work and wait, watch and pray, we hold and we loose. In this day and age, you and I have got to hold to what matters. When that Italian city of Pompeii was excavated, the fossilized remains of a woman were found and her posture told her story. Her feet were pointed toward safety, toward the city gate. But her twisted torso and outstretched arms reached for something beyond her fingertips. When the researchers dug more, they found what she was reaching for, a bag of pearls. When Vesuvius erupted, she ran, ran, knowing what was coming. She ran towards safety. Her feet were pointed in the right direction, but her heart was reaching for that treasure. It was Blaise Pascal that said the last thing one knows is what to put first. You and I've got to 
loose the temporal and lay hold on the eternal. The beginning of sorrows is here. It will yield the great day of God's wrath. That wrath is coming, folks. It's coming. It's coming upon a world that has shaken its fist in God. It's coming upon a religious world that has turned its back on the law of God and the ways of God. It's coming, and it's coming very, very fast. Uh, We've got to work and wait. We've got to watch and pray. Uh, We've got to lay hold on and loose the things. Uh, I just wish somebody would get a hold of this right now. I wish somebody would get a hold of the horns of the altar of God and would loose the power of peace and a spirit of comfort upon all of those around you, that you would get up and wipe the tears from your eyes and say, yes, we are at the beginning of sorrows. But yes, I've received the comfort from the Holy Ghost that it's going to be all right, and God is going to see us through. I believe I'm talking to people right now, Barbara and Francisca and Robin. I believe I'm talking to you right now that you have the power to loose a, a spirit of love, joy, peace, and long suffering at the beginning of sorrows. Can I, can I share a, a verse with you right now? You remember it was to the church of Thessalonica, that rapture-ready church. They got very discouraged because they saw people dying. They were so expecting the rapture that they got distraught when fellow believers started to die on them. And Paul, of course, wrote to them words of comfort. And he said, listen, listen, uh, we're not going to precede those who have passed on. No, the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him with this God. That, that's First Thessalonians 4. But first, first Thessalonians 5, there is a great promise to the rapture-ready believers of our world. Paul said it is not appointed. We have not been appointed to wrath but we will obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. When you see the tribulation unfold in Revelation, the word church disappears. It's found many times in Revelation 2 and 3, but it disappears in Revelation 4 as the judgment and the wrath of the Lamb is revealed. And the only conclusion that you and I can come to is what Paul said. We have been spared from the wrath to come that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming to capture his rapture-ready church, those who have their eyes set on the eastern sky, those that are praying, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly in this day and in this age as we see that new world that is about to be born in the midst of great pain and tribulation. Our fear should not be that we have the mark of the beast. Our concern should be that we're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we have received the true anointing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our life, that we have been cleansed and forgiven and filled and empowered and we receive a peace and that we're in the in-gathering mode, gathering people into the ark of salvation. This beginning of sorrows is going to give way to a brand new world. Why don't we let this beginning of sorrows uh, 
give way to the greatest revival in our family we've ever seen. That prodigals are coming home. That the lost are being gathered in. That the backslidden and the lukewarm are making their way back. I say welcome home. I say welcome back. Uh, I believe that we are at the beginning of sorrows. I believe that we're at the birth pangs uh, that are going to give way to the greater pain of tribulation. I don't believe we're in the heart of tribulation yet. No, this is not yet the end, Jesus said. It's just the beginning. So why don't we open up our heart and say, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready when Jesus comes because he's coming very, very soon. I believe we need to round up our prodigals, folks. I I went through yesterday and saw all of you praying for your family members and your loved ones and prodigals to come home. This is the day. This is the hour to anticipate that. We're on the countdown to the end. We're at the beginning of sorrows. All of these things are coming to pass. We're not yet at the end. It's time. We're in a tiny sliver and space of grace. Let's bring people into the ark of salvation. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this. Leave your prayer request out to the side. Encourage one another in the Lord. Share this with somebody else. I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.